welcome back welcome welcome another week another episode of which is unknown another day another dollar another episode we don't make dollars off the episodes yet not yet um, never, but it's fine that's what only fans is for oh my goodness for raven and her burps <laughs> <laughs> if you listen last week you'll get that also last week um she managed to cut down that word to only four times. And I did. Was it four or five? Because there was one that I, that I didn't even notice that I skimmed over. There was three that I hit hard and it just poked me. <laughs> there was four that I counted, which is why you probably heard in the episode something about sticking the pencil in my eye. Kind of the like the Brigitte episode versus the Bridget episode. Like I just <laughs> I don't listen. It's just too cringy. So I will take that challenge and do four shots. But knowing what she was going to record tonight, then I decided, yeah, probably best not to have a drunken episode while she has her particular topic in mind. Oh, yeah. Might be a little insensitive. Yes. Which will make sense here in just a minute when she announces it. But yes, we heard the pleas and the cries and the laughs, and <laughs> so you will have a drunken bear on an upcoming episode. Huzzah. Possibly next week. There you go. <laughs> but this week, we are going to talk about... Medusa. Medusa. I have chosen Medusa, who... Um... Hearing her topic, now you understand why, with... I know she'll go through the background of it, but knowing familiar who Medusa is and what she went through in her life... Uh, that's why I decided that uh, Drunken Bear on the mic no, was probably not, not the best time. Yes, No, it's not a funny topic. No. Um, so Medusa was the offspring of Forcus and Seto, or Keto, depending on the stories that you read. Mm-hmm. Um, she was one of three sisters, and she was a Gorgon. Um, she's probably... She's arguably the most famous uh, being in most mythologies. I feel like most people see the Medusa and know instantly what she is. You know, that her gaze turned men to stone. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember one of the movies my parents would allow us to watch was Chasing in the Argonauts. Uh huh. And she was the villain. Well, then. and, you know, she's everywhere. She's mm-hmm. in the video game um, Assassin's Creed and God of War. She is the symbol for Versace. Um, there's a TV uh, app that uses her. So many, you know, so much graphic art, so much, you mm-hmm. know, she's just, she's famous and well-known. But a lot of people while we recognize her in different interpretations, not everyone knows um, her history. So that's what I was going to talk about. Um, You know, Greek mythology is interesting. It is uh, a beautiful place to be in one's mind's eye, unless you're a woman. And for attractive women of the era, it was specifically not a fun place to be. Hmm. Um, And most of the writings that we have are conflicting. The more famous is the Roman Ovid, and that's the one that most current scholars tend to um, cling to. His 
again, all of these poems have a lot to do with human psychology and whatnot. So did I say it? Mm -hmm. Oh, you jerk. He just made a tally mark. Uh, (laughs) um, But Ovid presents Medusa as a beautiful young woman. They call her, you know, the beautiful cheeked maiden. Mm. And she She went, she was, yes, she was known to be beautiful. And she went to the temple of Athena, um, which again, in, in Roman culture, things were a little bit different. Um, The names were changed except for Medusa. So she went to the temple of Athena and was raped by Poseidon, who is, did I make another one? A minute ago, yeah. Oh, you I'm jerk. still notes. You're so rude to me. Um, the Roman equivalent of Poseidon is Neptune, and the Roman equivalent of Athena is Minerva. So mm-hmm. it just it depends on which stories that you read. But I'm going with um, the Poseidon and Athena. Um, she was raped inside Athena's uh, temple by Poseidon, and for reasons unknown to man this angered athena at medusa talk about your victim blaming you know right and so she didn't go after poseidon she went she went after the victim Mm. yes because how dare you be beautiful you know Mm -hmm. and instead of how dare this god or deity or being with a dick not be able to control himself you know so in those stories she is transformed into the beast that we know her as Mm -hmm. Um, which again art depicts her very differently um, across the board she sometimes is shown to be hideous and horrific looking and other times she's a beautiful face with snakes for hair Um, and her gaze always turns men to stone Mm mm-hmm which is a personal power of her own because the Gorgons, the three sisters were known to have a hatred for mortal men and not be a huge fan of the gods. (laughs) And And for, for reasons that are obvious, um, there are a lot of other interpretations of the story that assume that the relationship was consensual and it, what the heck do I know? But the one that we talk about the most is um, the original text, which is Ovid. And Ovid distinctly says that, no, it was not consensual. She was taken advantage of. Hmm. And he was immortal, older than her. Of her three sisters, Medusa is the only one who is not immortal. I thought that was interesting. It is. It doesn't give any... I searched and searched, and it did not give any reasonings behind that, that she was the only one who was um, immortal while her sisters were immortal. And I haven't seen much literature about the other two sisters either. Yes, but that's why she was able to be punished by Athena, even though, obviously, she was the victim. So she... Uh, in this poem, she was turned from a beautiful maiden into a hideous beast, and she was unable to look people in the eye without turning them into stone. Um, her hair was apparently something that attracted compliments, and because of that specifically um, is why her hair was turned to snakes. Hmm. Um, and her sisters were Theno and Uriel. Good luck pronouncing those. Um, and again, their parents were Forcus and Keto or Keto or Seto, depending Keto. on which. I know. 
uh, depending on which um, translation you read. And they don't, they're really not talked about other than they're immortal and angry and don't like men. And through, again, throughout the years, she's depicted in several different ways. She goes from beautiful to hideous, and there's no real rhyme or reason why. And she's looked at as kind of the tragic character. Um, mm -hmm. Athena hates her, which is invalid and holds a grudge against her, punishes her. And the, there was a King Polydectus of Serpheus and Polydectus wanted to marry Perseus's mother. And Perseus is another, um, he's depicted as a hero by some, but because of this story specifically, he's, it's kind of a mockery, you know, he's kind of like the anti-hero kind of like, you know, the rube who kills the misunderstood creature. And so he, Athena of obviously wants her dead. Mm -hmm. Um, and he goes to Athena, Perseus does goes to Athena and she gives him a mirrored shield. Mm -hmm. Um, he gets sandals with golden wings from Hermes and he, a sword from Hades with a helm of invisibility. So it's quite a bit of Yes, he goes with a lot of equipment Some high level to stuff. attack this creature now, this Gorgon, who was mortal. And in all of the artist depictions and in the poems, he comes upon her while she's asleep. Hmm. So she's depicted even in most artists' rendition as a beautiful sleeping maiden with snake hair. And he sneaks up on her using the shield so as not to look at her right. and uses the mirror of the shield to behead her. And um, at the time, she was still pregnant from the rape of Poseidon, and from her body leapt Pegasus and Chryseor. Uh, Pegasus, of course, is the winged horse, and Chryseor is a giant uh, who wields a golden sword. Like, they just spring from her body, fully formed, because <laughs> it's Greek mythology. And um, so they are the children of Poseidon and Medusa. No, that was not in the claymation movie of the That 40s. was not it, no. <laughs> um, and it was told that her potency began when her head was severed, um, that her head remained powerful, and that's why he had to have the... Um, he had to put a special put it in a special sack, essentially, mm -hmm. and present it to them. And there's a poet... Um, Harrison, who translates this as a Gorgon was made out of the terror, not the terror out of the Gorgon, meaning she, you know, was literally just at rest. You know, she was a victim. She was turned into um, a monster because of her beauty. And while still in gestation from the attack is killed unwantonly by again we we call him a hero but these days of course as people are understanding um spirituality and human behavior and understanding that these stories are a direct correlation between you know the psychosis we have as people and our egos and how we handle conflict and how we handle any type of strife. And sure, by some people's point of view, he, he killed a monster. But 
genuinely he didn't you know he killed a victim who was in turn it's kind of like you know how popular um uh, maleficent is now mm-hmm. you know when you go back through and you relearn and look from other people's perspectives and the perspectives of other creatures and beings there really is no true good and no true evil you know true. there's always balance even like we talked about a few weeks ago with demons you know it just means that you're separated from one specific god and because of that because of our understanding of these stories read anew and not always making the gods the heroes um, is why you'll see Medusa symbols and tattoos more frequently these days. Um, And the Medusa tattoo specifically represents survival, strength, and overcoming assault. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically um, sexual assault and particularly by men. Um, so when you are out and about and you see someone with a Medusa tattoo or a sticker on their car or et cetera, mm-hmm. it's typically someone who has survived past that. And in some cases, someone who survived and then also, you know, had to, you know, protect the assailant and or wasn't understood or was re-victimized by other people's opinions. Mm. So he takes her head back and presents it to... Athena and she keeps it and it lives on the shield that um, supposedly is mirrored and so therefore Medusa is constantly looking into a mirror because if you looked at her head even severed it would still turn you to stone so Mm -hmm. it had to stay on the mirrored shield of Athena yeah that's definitely a thing of lore and they've used it in video games that I've played where you're in a dungeon and you're fighting her you can't when she goes to make a specific attack, you have to be turned away or you'll be turned to stone. Yes. So you call out the rest of you guys. Everybody ready? She done? Okay, now turn around. Yes. Oh, so she's a villain in the game? In any time I've seen her in a game, yes. Yeah. Naturally. Now, in your studies, did it ever show Perseus as knowing that she wasn't... No. The villain that she was made out to be? No, Perseus knew she was powerful, knew that she could turn men to stone, and knew that it would be quite the feat to mm-hmm. overcome her, which is why he crept up on her while she was sleeping, which don't... Mm. You know, like, if you're going to slay a dragon, you know, fucking slay the dragon. Don't sneak up on it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't call yourself a hero when you go in the back door that way. Um, and in most depictions... You're not a hero for going in the back door. Oh my God, shut up. I hate you so much. She, uh, in most artist depictions, you know, she's, that's why he's presented the way he is. He looks like the doofus who hmm. crept up on something he knew he couldn't handle and took advantage of. You know, kind of like practical jokes. I hate practical jokes. People who try to make a fool of someone else or um, humiliate or diminish someone else's intelligence by using manipulative tactics. I, I don't, I don't enjoy that humor and these types of stories just absolutely cause me to cringe. If you're going to tackle it, even if it's something evil, tackle it head on. Um, it's definitely not, he was definitely not the hero that so many people claim him to be which if you google him he's like the hero perseus who slayed medusa and it's like yeah it's just it's tragic as a genuinely. kid growing up i always viewed him as a hero of course the movies and stories 
So that's why I was asking in your studies if if he was ever aware of the misdeeds to her. No, um, no. Mm-mm. And again, it was in a time where rape wasn't really rape. The God was doing what he needed to do. Oh. You know, and she got her comeuppance. Like, how dare you be beautiful and exist in the same space as someone who can't control themselves? <laughs> Which happens to this day. You know, why are you dressed like that? If you dress like that, that's what you're asking for. No one is asking for sexual assault. It doesn't matter how you dress. Yeah. You know, it, and they do the same type of thing. And, you know, you put a stake in front of a dog, that's what he's going to do. Like, yeah, if you're a dog, you know, we're not dogs. We're not animals. Um, we shouldn't behave the same way, but obviously the gods were, you know, they followed their very basic needs. You know, it was always about them, not the greater good. And definitely not about an individual who had thoughts and feelings and was the main character of their own life. The gods were very selfish and very, um, ego driven and monsters by today's standards for sure. Sure. Where... Of course, back then it was not viewed the same way. So it had to be pretty recent from the time that the assault happened to the time she was beheaded. Yes. Again, however long it takes to gestate a pegasus and a giant with a golden sword. (laughs) Um, Did he come out with a golden sword? Yes. He sprung from her body. Oh. Yeah. With talent. It is a Greek myth. (laughs) There's nothing like it. Um, But even in the um, tellings of the story, you know, she's she's still never viewed other than by today's psychologist as a victim. Yeah. Um, Now, when she was turned, I'm sure she was hiding somewhere. Um, Was she known for raiding and killing men or she just... Stayed in her own little place and... No, yeah, she never, she didn't, yeah, it wasn't like that at all. She was very much like the dragon in the lair. If you came at her, absolutely... You're going to get it. You got it. But no, she did not seek out, she did not wreak havoc, um, and vengeance was always exactly that. It was vengeance. And one story even depicts her as um, a priestess to the goddess Athena and a virgin goddess of wisdom in battle in order to be... Um, a goddess of Athena, you virginhood was required. Hmm. And when Poseidon or Neptune saw her and approached her, she, you know, he was mesmerized and she rejected him. And because of that, and because of her specific loyalty to Athena, he defiled her on the steps of the temple, which was Uh, a specifically egregious act. Right. And, um, there's just, I mean, it just, it makes all of the the makes mythologies about Poseidon and um, Neptune just repugnant, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and he did it specifically as to humiliate Athena by defiling uh, one of her virgin goddesses. And her, yes, priestesses. and someone who was prized. And because Medusa was viewed as vulnerable and weak by Athena is why she was punished. Oh. Um, which, again, victim-blaming. What the heck, you know? Because, this, of course, this mortal should have been able to fend off a god. Yes. And so in order for no man to want her after that is why she received her um, horrid disfigurement and her head full of snakes. Hmm. That's a lot to take in. It is. It's quite... It's a really... It's a heavy topic and it's a heavy subject. And I know 
in all communities, not just the meta community, there are multitude of victims of this type of behavior and um, not only the behavior, which in itself is repugnant and vile, but victim blaming is still an issue. Well, what were you wearing? Well, what did you do? Did you give any indication? What the, you know, it, it matters not what I say or did or what I was wearing, mm-hmm. you know, I said no. And, um, so again, if you see someone out and about with that symbol or that tattoo, you know, send a little extra healing and loving energy towards them. But, um, no, from what I read, all of the stories of, you know, vengeance and revenge for her very greatly. Um, she may or may not have been avenged by her sisters and, um, her head did remain powerful and, um, had to be kept in on a mirror in order for no one to be able to look at it because even after death, she would would still turn men to stone. Shoey men. Mm-hmm. Well, any man. <laughs> when you get to that point, it matters not. Yeah. No, she very much sounds like a powerful being and represents a lot of, especially feminine empowerment these days. And that symbol, that status I was aware of. And in fact, the last show I did, someone had a Medusa bust on the table and we were talking about it. And... It was the same. And I was like, oh, that's... Mm. Yeah, I did. Not okay. Yeah. Give her a hug. Be encouraging. You want to see Bear get angry? Yes. <laughs> Let me find the motherfucker that did that. Yeah. It's, yeah. Again, heavy topic, heavy subject. Um, not something we typically like to hit on here at Which is Unknown, but it's so prevalent and so common it's valid and, important. and it's very yes it is very important that it be addressed and um that we acknowledge that it still happens yeah. and it's never okay never has been never will be no no matter who tells the story or how they write it we here which is unknown or not for that type of behavior in the least no very much not so what is your topic hopefully something a little lighter I was thinking about it, and knowing yours, I wanted to try to find something that correlated to it. Mm -hmm. And so I thought about looking into Perseus, and I was like, ah, no. Because even if he didn't know what had happened to her... No, he still snuck up on somebody and cut their head off in their sleep. Like, no matter how you swing it, that's still an unseen sword. Yeah. I didn't want to try to glorify him as your letting us know, you know. Oh yeah, no, he's no hero. What Medusa means today and yes. the empowering figure that she is for for those that have been through that. Um, but I was as I was thinking about it, I was like, "What's on her head? Snakes." Oh, what there you snakes go. mean? Perfect. So I was like, "Oh, that's a good idea." I will talk about the symbolism and the metaphysical aspects of the snakes. Perfect. I like it. Thanks. So I like snakes. My dad saves me snake skins every time he finds them. He does. 
we have some downstairs. Mm-hmm. Feathers and snakeskins and all sorts of things. It's interesting when you have a dad who's a fae but doesn't know it and he thinks he's a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> and he finds me all of these things and, you know, he doesn't really understand why he's drawn to them. <laughs> But he is, and he knows I am too, so he brings me parts of his treasures. And it's just, it's a very endearing thing he does, and it binds me to him in a very special way. It's very adorable, especially the way he does it. Oh, yeah, he doesn't say a word. He just walks up with his big old meaty paws and hands me some, like, he'll, he'll put his hand out like I need to open my hand. And like he'll you're put, a child, yeah. He's yes, like, and he'll put a shell on a shiny penny, or he'll be he'll hand me a sack and it's full of snake skins or a turtle shell or, you mm-hmm. know. Um, he's just, it's adorable. It's, it's really cute. He's and precious. I think that, I agree, I think that that has... And my stepmother thinks that we're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's endeared him more to you in his older age. Um, yes, that's something that we bond over, for sure. Oh, yeah. My love of oddities and interesting things, because... Because he's got land and yes. stuff happens out there, and mm-hmm. he's like, hey, do you need one of these things? And you're like, well, of course. I will always take one of those mm-hmm. things, yes. Random objects he finds. Mm-hmm. So... I want to talk about snakes throughout tarot. The I'll hit on the what that means with the chakras, and then some metaphysical meanings, and then what you know if they show up in dreams. So, yes, which I figure you'll get excited about. Yes, Captain that Dream was, Interpreter. I I'm telling you, I've had a few people reach out to me about um, dreams with snakes, and they're always so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Now, the only in the Rider Waite tarot, the only snake that I could find anyway, and I double-checked, and I know the cards well, and I was like, I think there's only once or twice, and I had to double-check and look, and the only one that I found was in the Lover's card. It's on the left-hand side. Okay. Uh, if you can picture it, the Lover's card in the Rider Waite almost looks, it, it's like Adam and Eve. It's an angel standing above, and it's a male and female figure without clothes and there's a tree on on the female side and like an apple tree like she ate from the garden of eden and there's a snake wrapped around the tree so the snake itself uh has lots of different meanings and depending on what culture you go to that can change anything from regeneration renewal rebirth uh to me I take a lot of it as like the death card. So the meanings that I associate with the death card are that ending of an old way, habit, behavior, relationship, job, whatever the case is, and the rebirth of something new, the replacement of something. And other places view the snake as female sexuality, which is interesting since it's on the side of Eve or the female figure in the lover's tarot card. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, to other people, because of the Bible, the snake has a negative reputation. And, of course, it's venom and the fact that it kills and it's a predator. Or a lot of people view the anger or malice that they feel from a snake as something that can have a negative connotation to it. But it can symbolize anything from being someone who is smooth and charming, like like a Lucifer type. Um it crawls along the ground, so it has a lot of earthy connotation to it, grounding. It is a symbol of healing for a lot of places. 
you find that a lot of medical symbols yes. uh, have that snake around it. Mm-hmm. I, I can't pronounce it. It starts with a C, like a codices or whatever the case is, but it's that medical symbol where the snake is there. It's such an old force. A lot of people relate it to like a primal energy that comes with it. Some view it as protection. It has the connotations of stealth with it. Yes. Because it is trickery, quiet, mm-hmm. and sneaky, and you don't know it's there until you walk up on it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, wisdom goes with that because you never see, at least I never see, a snake chasing down its prey too often unless it's already no. there. Usually it's yeah. lying in wait. So. That would be terrifying. <laughs> you see it running after you. <laughs> Running. <laughs> What's the snake that has the two legs? I would just die. I just right. a heart attack right away. <laughs> no, that's a lizard. There's a lizard that like gets up on his hind legs and runs yes, after you. Yes, that's a yeah. But I've seen those reels where people put little arms and legs on a snake and make it do funny things. Yeah. So, what I find interesting about the fact that the only card in the Rider Waite that has it is the Lover's card, which looks like the Adam and Eve. Which looks like Adam and Eve. Sorry. And <laughs> bless you. I tried to keep it in, it just didn't help. And one of the few or one of the biggest places that the Bible talks about it is the snake that tempted Eve. And of course, if you listen to the Lilith episode, we can argue that one. Now you see a lot of snake charmers that will use a cobra, very venomous, very very scary, but they've tamed this beast or this animal, and allow it to perform. Uh, they, To me, that's a sense of being in control over yes. something that is dangerous in your life. You are in charge of something that... Well, sure, the snake charming thing is a thing, you know. And the, there's scripture that talks about they will be able to handle venomous snakes and not be struck, and that's why you have so many churches that that's their git, you know, that's their mm-hmm. little sideshow. Sideshow Bob. Sideshow Bob. They can they can handle snakes and not get bit. If they get bit, then it's because they lost faith for a second. Speaking of Sideshow Bob, I enjoyed the Simpsons area in Universal. Oh, that was <laughs> crazy. Yes, I'm sure you Just did. Just how accurate it was and how funny everything was. and you know. It was a hoot. Yep. And I had to have Duff beer. I it was, wasn't, wasn't no, great. No, none of the food was that good. The boys really loved their donuts. Oh my god! But again, it's nothing was. It was fine. The donut was the size of a small pizza. Oh, it was massive! Mm -hmm. And oldest boy ate his entire donut and was sick for the rest of the day. But he (laughs) loved it, and it was. I think that was the only thing that was especially tasty. Mm -hmm. Everything else was just amusement park food. But I had to go to Moe's, have a Duff beer, just because you know it's iconic, and. It was okay. Yeah. Back to snakes. Anyway. (laughs) What a weird segue. Native Americans view uh, snakes or serpents as being things to pay attention to. When something like like that comes about, it's usually viewed as something to be aware of. Something to take notice of what's going on in that moment. The healing nature of it comes from much, much further back than where we use it in the United States. Ancient sure. Greek, uh, Celtics, the Nords, you mean Hebrews. It's newer than a few hundred years. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Snake's been around a minute. More than a minute. And all of those cultures used them uh, or associated them with forms of healing and forms of medicine. 
And even though a lot of them are venomous, like Raven was saying, the healers believe that if you exposed people to venoms at certain rates, that it would actually toughen them up or help them heal through uh, that kind of thing. Yes. Now, the regeneration, to me, is deeply metaphysical in the fact that you are, the way the snakes heal, they heal from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a exterior in. When they shed their skin, then that's, the process is completed. Yeah. And metaphysically, you know, that shows up in a way where, like I said, the death card, where you are transitioning from. Well, that's how we heal too, just so people know. Thanks, Nurse Raven. That's, well, that's where the scabs come from. And until it's healed beneath, mm-hmm. you know, that's how you know there's still some signs of infection. If the scab comes off or doesn't bubble or, you know, does those things, it's because the skin underneath it isn't healed yet. We all heal from the inside out. And then oh. we shed what's left on top. Science. Science. <laughs> the more you know. So with these, with this transformation, with this change... Like the death card, this is a choice, and if the snake wants to continue, wants to survive, it has to go through this process, and and it's I'm sure it's not comfortable. It's not easy, just like any death or exchange in life. And as it goes, it leaves it behind. It doesn't bring its old shell with it. It doesn't go back to visit it. It yes, transformation. It's gone. Mm-hmm. It's like. Casting Bye, off, yeah, casting off of the old onto mm-hmm. the new. Now, in the dark, in the darkwood tarot that I use, the snake does come up a couple more times, and I found it very interesting in those aspects. One was the Eight of Cups, which, if you can picture it, it's a in the right way, it's a man going up a hill, traversing his way through eight cups. And if you're familiar with tarot, cups are the emotions. Mm-hmm. And in the dark wood that I usually use, it shows it's a snake going up the hill, which I think doubles down on the importance of that emotional journey that as we, and it's leaving the nest behind. The Eight of Cups, to me, is a card that talks about realizing that a situation or, you know, relationship or job or whatever the case is, that it's time to turn your back on it and go. It's time to move on. And that Eight of Cups with a snake in it makes it even more important because with that comes that transition as it makes its way in and out of these cups. It deals with all the emotional hurdles as it goes through. Uh, It's also on the Hierophant card, and at least for mine, uh, which is, you know, that that teacher card, and it's there showing the change and the growth. Uh, It's also on my strength card. So normal strength card is is the female keeping the jaws of the lion open whereas mine we I went I mentioned the snake charmers for this reason it's a female sitting there legs crossed with the cobra in front of it and she is charming that snake she has her to me that's inner strength having it under control dealing with those changes and everything that's going on and to me that makes it a little more of an inner strength now Talking about Reiki and chakras, that Kundalini, if you're familiar with that, a little more sexual energy as you pull that through. And as you start that process coming from the root chakra all the way up, it is an energy that weaves in and out and that pulls with it so much drive and so much, um, so much of that 
energy. It's both feminine and masculine primal energy going through that. And it can lead to a lot of eye-opening changes in your life, um, allows enlightenment and a different vision if you can get that kind of energy that just is able to go through you. Mm -hmm. Snakes being a form of protection, it being in a place, I also found it interesting that in a lot of animes they'll use the snake as a symbol of the Aurora Boris. It's the snake head eating the tail yeah. in that cycle, which goes into several tarot cards, the strength card including, having that, and the magician is the other one, having that reversed figure eight, not reversed, sideways figure eight over their head, that symbol of eternity, same thing as the Aurora Boris, um, allowing that literal rebirth and eternity feel to it as you gain power and keep going through these things, protect yourself from your boundaries, and even with those lows comes those highs again. Because the snake doesn't shed itself once or twice in its lifetime. It does it multiple times as it grows older. So again, that double down on eternal, that regeneration, that continued healing path that it goes on. The snakes themselves can let you be aware of shady people in your life. If it comes up in meditations or dreams, uh, it can symbolize wisdom in a lot of cultures. They're, in some relationships, they are similar to dragons in a way. And if it shows up, it could also mean being more grounded, realizing that you're too high in the sky and you need to spend some time grounding, being more present in the moment, being more patient, because snakes to me symbolize patience. They're not, like I said earlier, they're not running after things, chasing things. But if it's something that is a totem for you, something that keeps showing up or one of your spirit animals, uh, it can help bolster your charisma. It can let you know when things are going wrong in, wrong in your life. And it's very much about sensuality and transformation. If it is something that shows up in a little bit of negative circumstance in, in dreams and visions, you can talk about it being a lack of trust in yourself or lack of trust in your intuition. And something that could be threatening you it's your you know family somebody an ex or a relationship that is ready to bite you in the butt so keep your eyes open but with dreams have you had any situations raven where uh snakes come up in dreams i do but those are private well i'm not asking you to tell everybody Yes, other people's I've, laundry, but yeah. Yes, and it it depends on a lot of other situations. What color the snake? What stance it's in? Um, the situations, your feelings about said snake, all of those things take a play uh, play a role in it. So, um, it's not a one stop shop. Unfortunately, it's not like oh, you see a snake, so therefore this means this. It's mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes into it. You know, just like any card that you pull doesn't make sense until you put it with the rest of them. You know. Mm -hmm. It tells a story. So the snake is just part of the story of the dream. So there's a dozen different variables um, of what the snake means or represents in mm -hmm. a dream. But yes, they they come up not infrequently. Nice. Now, if you have a dead snake in comparison to a live snake, that could be whether you encounter it while you're out in your house or outside working or in a dream itself, it can symbolize that okay it's time for you to 
slow down, take a break. Time to almost, I say as a bear, is hibernate. Mm-hmm. And, or that you are needing that rebirth or that death to keep moving on. It, it can lead you to that transformation process saying, hey, this is something you take place of, or you will end up failing or dying, not physically dying, but dying in the process. Or something that you need to take a break from and move on and work on something else. A lot of people use snake tattoos on their body for a symbol of power or strength or for, like Medusa, a new chapter in their life. Something they persevered through and they want to begin uh, something new. Or to intimidate others. To make themselves, again, it's kind of a protection. Mm -hmm. Like kids who wear black or people who wear all black. Um, People don't realize that black is a symbol for protection and it makes them feel safe and unseen. And that's a lot of the reason why people do that. So a symbol of a snake can be someone who has trauma or has been harmed and they put that on their body to ward off um, other offenders and to look more intimidating so as not to be harmed again. It's more intimidating than the 1990s barbed wire around the bicep. Oh gosh. He, um, yes, it's, it's an actual (laughs) symbol of protection and a warding of, um, negative things. Mm -hmm. A snake tattoo on someone is not something that they've chosen lightly. So it's almost always a very specific energy that they're trying to project. I would agree. It's not like something fluffy or fun or cozy. No, it's very much a, yes. Of power, of warning, of, Mm -hmm. I may be quiet, I may be still, but I will strike. And I will defend, I will protect. Um, Metaphysically, if it shows up, it could be a call to focus on your spirituality. It could be a reminder that, hey, there's things looking out for you. Or just being more patient. Or there's a snake in the grass and just watch where you're stepping. Yes. And be, ca- be cautious of who you trust and who you lean on. But yeah, that's if it shows up in dreams, visions, or if it shows up on certain tarot cards, those are just some easy ways to look at it. Like I said, biggest thing for me is similarities to the death card and you know being more mindful of the present and where you're at, watching your step trust in people and yourself, that kind of thing. But anything else from you, my darling? Not a thing. Okay. Well, guys, hopefully you enjoyed this episode about Medusa and the metaphysical version of snakes and what they can mean they show up. I like it. The things on our heads. But other than that, we'll let you guys go, and we'll see you next week. Already. Bye. Bye. Bye.